Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Hey everybody, we are excited to continue this series on burnout here on Vows to Keep Radio. Last time in part two of this series, we wanted to make throwing off old masters, old yokes, really tangible to each of us since we're going to have to repeat this process many times over. So in order to do that, we walked through the first three of five steps that will give us the rest and the freedom that we're looking for. Number one, we went through identify what you've let master you. Number two, confess that sin to the Lord. And then three, you have the opportunity to answer Christ's call to trade your yokes for his. If you missed last week's broadcast or any other part of this series, we really encourage you to go back and listen because each builds on the last. Today, we'll get into the fourth step, exploring seven kinds of rest and calibrating, maybe recalibrating our thinking to God's design for rest as we look at the different kinds of rest that culture says that we need. If you're ready to put what you've learned in this series on burnout into action, stick around for the next half hour here on Vows to Keep Radio, the show where you get sound biblical counsel you can apply immediately to your marriage. We're your hosts, David and Tracy Sellers of Vows to Keep. We're biblical marriage counselors, authors, teachers, podcast hosts, and conference speakers. Now, if you want to get back to being on fire for your spouse, and on fire for God, you are in the right spot. When any one thing dominates how we structure our day, dominates how we think, makes us believe that we can do life and marriage without following God, that thing or idea or decision takes the place of God in our lives and becomes an idol. Now, when I first heard this, it was really a new thought to me a few years ago. But I started to study what God's word says about rest and how I could live in it And I realized how true it was. I realized that my entire life, every second of every day, I'm yoked to something. You see, God created me to worship every moment of every day. Now it's a matter of who or what I'm worshiping. If you've been with us in this series, this may be a slow, eye-opening thought to start looking at your daily choices and thoughts through this lens of what you're allowing to master you. But it's a much slower process to completely unyoke ourselves to everything we've let master us and become completely yoked with Christ. When I'm feeling busy, when I'm feeling desperate for rest, I need to ask myself, whose yoke am I in? If you don't know what I mean by yoke, listen to our key verse from Matthew 11 as Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Is it possible to receive the first kind of rest, salvation, but still hold on to our own way of doing things and actually not receive the second kind of rest that is free for our taking? It's like saying, yes, Jesus, thank you for the gift of grace. Now, could you just let me be me so that I can do what I want with it? This thanks but no thanks attitude really reminds me of Galatians chapter 5. We see this in verse 13 and 14. It says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, my lack of trust that Jesus will supply 
plays out big time when it comes to feeling burned out as a husband, as a dad, as a ministry worker, as a friend, you name it. Because my natural tendency is to do whatever is necessary to look out for me, to accommodate for my needs so that I'm certain no matter the situation, they will be taken care of. So if you're in the middle of identifying your masters, and we hope that you are, what you're yoked to, whether it's pleasing yourself or pleasing people, or even trying to please God, even though he's already pleased with you, and you're starting to make that life-altering shift with us from serving masters of self and sin to serving Christ and freedom, awesome. But you know what? That burned out feeling, it will hit you again and again. And rest in all of its different forms can look pretty tempting. Let's dig into it. There are about seven different kinds of rest suggestions for us floating around out there. Physical, mental, emotional, social, creative, sensory, and spiritual rest. But before you go headlong into any one of these, we're going to ask you to first take it to the Lord. This is step number four in trading our yoke for Christ. We have to understand these forms of rest if we're to move forward in freedom from burnout. As we briefly go through each one, we're going to look at their validity in our lives, their value, and do these kinds of rests really deliver? Are they what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 11? And for each one, we're also going to do something unexpected. Let's ask God to show us if they, these different kinds of rest, have in and of themselves become something other than Christ we've let master us. In other words, are they something we need to unyoke ourselves with in order to live the life of heart and soul rest that Jesus is freely giving us? The first one is physical rest. Sleep, naps. Sounds good, right? Our bodies were designed for this kind of rest. Is it valid? Is it necessary? Absolutely. Our bodies are not designed to go at full throttle for 20 hours a day. You need to get physical rest. The question is, can we let physical rest become our master? You better believe it. I have. We've demanded that the people in our life put their needs on hold while we get more physical rest than we actually need. Let's flip this around a little bit. Rest is what the person being faithful, doing what God asks, needs more of to keep doing it. Let me say that again. Rest is what the person being faithful, doing what God asks, needs more of to keep doing it. And God will provide for you. In Psalm 127.2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Sleep and physical rest are sweet when we know we've worn ourselves out and we have been working for the Lord in all those efforts. Well, the second kind of rest we're going to talk about is mental rest. A definition that I've heard is rest from the tasks and the to-do list, and we can have a lot of them. Some seek mental rest in the form of music or meditation or just silence. Do we get tired mentally? Of course, Can silence or distraction help with that? Well, for me, those things are only helpful when my heart is right. If I'm in anxiety and worry and fear or frustration or unforgiveness, basically if I'm not believing and putting into action truth, I'm not renewing my mind with God's word and making decisions based upon what I know is right, then my mind lives in turmoil. My thoughts can go off in all kinds of tangents that aren't biblical. You've probably been there with me that aren't building to my life that are destructive to my marriage. And if that's the case, let me tell you, 
the silence, distraction, they will not bring you rest. Meditating on some random thing, it's not going to heal a heart that is burned out with doing the wrong thing. But if I think it will, and I demand silence, or I demand that you let me distract myself mentally so I don't have to think about the things that are bothering me, now I'm asking those around me to actually obey my master, the master of mental rest. Jesus actually commands us to renew our minds. He knows that's where a lot of the fight for our hearts and our souls is happening. So much can go on between my ears that just doesn't belong, but every thought that goes against God's word finds its answer in God's word. We got to go look. We got to be willing to actually be obedient. Then we'll have a true mental rest. Let's look at the next kind of rest, emotional rest. The world's definition is this, quote unquote, offloading baggage to a good listener or therapist. Do we have a need to rest our emotions? Really? Our hearts? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely valid. Does saying what's bugging me out loud give me rest from my burned out life? Um, no. Can a good friend or mentor help me get emotional rest? Let me put it this way. They can be a conduit of truth to help my heart to get where it needs to be with God, but they can't get it there for me. That's work that has to be done between me and God. This kind of rest in particular is what Jesus wants to give us freedom in. When I'm bound to a master that isn't Christ, I'm going to feel an emotional turmoil, emotionally tired. There's no other way to feel in this scenario. It sucks the life out of me and all I want is to escape it. Yet I stay bound and I think to myself that I just need to talk to someone and get these things off my chest. We have emotional heavy loads that we carry based upon selfish ambition or money or pleasing others or whatever is on your list that God has been speaking to you about. Those things promise relief, but they only cause burden and burnout. The things we've yoked us to actually increase our emotional stress because when I don't make decisions through the lens of God's word, and I instead hope that one of these things is going to bring me relief, now I have new emotional baggage. These things create what-ifs and should-haves when I look back. In hindsight, my selfish ambitions and my sin have robbed me of what God had for me. If you're yoked to something other than Christ, and that's all of us at any given time, sure, talk to a friend or mentor about it. Ask for godly wisdom. But remember, only Jesus and walking in the light of his truth can ease your emotional burden. The fourth is a social rest. And this one's kind of interesting because for many people, social rest is going to catch up with friends and spend time with your buddies. For others, it's time by yourself. It's rest in isolation. Now, if you've read God's word from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to see a very big theme. And that is that relationships are key. God was in relationship before creation with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He wanted relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, even after their sins, he provides a way to mend that broken relationship. He sends his son so that we can be in relationship with him forever. God also created marriage for the purpose of friendship. And you can see the whole body of Christ is actually put together so that we could grow in love and grow in service to him together with the help of the Holy Spirit. So do we need relationships? Absolutely. We 100% do. Can being social become an idol? You bet. It can become a yoke that we are attached to to the point 
that it weighs us down. If your social settings cause you to fall into sin, like gossip or prioritizing your friendships over your marriage, it is time to get serious and reevaluate. If you're looking to people to give you identity, to build your confidence with their compliments, then you've put people in the wrong place in your life. If you're hanging out with people, whether that's on social media or in person, and your goal is to impress them or so that you've got someone who makes you feel better about yourself because, well, they're not quite as cool as you are, boy, that is another yoke you've got to get out from underneath. Come walk with Jesus. Learn his way of doing and even viewing relationships. Now, on the flip side, if you feel like you need a break from people, it is just as important that you learn how God asks you to look at those people. Are you in these relationships for your purposes or his? If the words social rest perk up your ears, God may be helping you to see where some changes need to be made in this area of your life. In my definition and experience, Social rest may not be a quote-unquote kind of rest, but consider this. You may be feeling the need for it. You may be feeling burnout because you're not being encouraged by others, nor really investing in those around you. We can get to be like a culvert that was designed to have water flowing in and out of it. David and I have one of those long, winding, tree-lined driveways with a creek that runs under about halfway through. We don't want the creek to run up and over our driveway, so there's a culvert that runs under and passes all the water through to our neighbor's pond. This morning, I went for a walk, and as I was passing the creek, I saw water trying to get through, but there were so many leaves and sticks clogging it up that it wasn't working like it was designed. And if we leave it that way, season after season, eventually it will become completely clogged, and we'll end up with a pond in our yard and an eroded driveway that's unusable. It's not fun to get the mud boots on and get down in there to clean it out, but it is necessary. You were created to be a culvert, receiving the life-giving water of the word, the life-giving water of the spirit, and then to transfer it, to pour that out for others. But a lot of us are pretty backed up these days when it comes to being in relationships. We especially see this more so now as people during the pandemic got used to isolating. They made a habit of not going to church or being with others, and now They work from home and they don't have the social interactions in person as much these days. It's a new normal and it's causing burnout for a lot of people. In the New Testament, we see this really cool relationship between Paul and Timothy. They had the same calling, the same calling you and I have to share Christ and his love, but they weren't in the same stage of life. Paul was constantly challenging Timothy helping him to be equipped for ministry. He worked really closely with him to disciple him, to develop him spiritually. And Timothy really is like us in this scenario. He's the culvert. Paul is pouring into him, and now Timothy can choose what he's going to do with it. And I love as we read his story in the New Testament that we can see his willingness to not just soak it all up and sit. He does something with it. He listens to God's call to pour out into others. Paul is setting a pattern for Timothy, really for us. First, he says, always have someone like me in your life who can keep watch, who will speak up when they see you're going off the rails, someone who's bold enough to call you out and rebuke you, and someone who's willing to push you to go the next mile in this race we're running. So how about you? Do you have someone like that in your life? If not, pray about who could be that kind of mentor to you, who could disciple you to look more like Jesus. Who do you know that knows the word of God and isn't afraid to speak the truth when something is amiss? I want you to 
do this homework for me. List a few people that fit the qualifications that Paul mentions in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and then pray about who you could approach. If you're feeling burnout because no one is there to encourage you, go get your Paul. Can this be your spouse? Absolutely. The ultimate goal would be to be this for one another. But there are times when someone outside our situation can help us see things we can't. For more on this topic, I would encourage you to check out our blog on our website, vowstokeep.com by searching the word accountability. Then there's the other side to the culvert. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, be an example, Timothy, to all believers in what you say and the way that you live and your love and your faith and your purity. Paul is urging Timothy to train himself because he would soon have the opportunity to be an example to others, to teach someone else what he had been learning from Paul, to live as an example for someone else to watch and walk beside, just like Paul had been to him. So go out and get your Timothy. Who's in your life that could use spiritual encouragement? Who could use to be challenged? Who could use the biblical wisdom that you have? If you're a parent, start there, but also pray about who's outside your immediate circle that may be feeling really alone in their journey. Just three more. Number five is creative rest. And this could be kind of considered to be a fun one by many Others like me, Grandpa, as a Wyoming boy, this just feels like it's not even rest. But you know what? We're made in the image of God, and his creativity is off the charts. And he's given so many of us creative gifts, and he's really said, hey, it's to my glory that you would use them, that you would enjoy them. But even these things can become a yoke if that is what rules us. If we're not careful about the priority we place on them in our lives, if they begin to rule how we allot our time. I've heard some say that their form of creative rest are things like reading a book or taking a walk in nature or doing something that nurtures your creativity. Maybe it's painting or singing. James 1.17 says, hey, every perfect gift comes from above. When it comes to enjoying God's creation, that's what it's there for. Now, it's been a little bit cloudy here lately. Okay, a lot cloudy actually lately. But today, the sun was shining. And We took the opportunity to get outside and uh, take a long walk during my lunch break. And I used that time to praise God, to soak up his love for me in the form of sunshine. It's very restorative. Now, here's the catch, though. If I never go back to work, if I say, you know what? I'm just going to spend the day in God's creation. I've missed the point. You see, God wants us to enjoy his creativity, but we can't use it in a way that is just for our own selfish purpose. I want to encourage you to pray about how God has gifted you and how you can use it to bring him glory. Our second to last one is called sensory rest. And this is a buzzword that is a little bit more new culturally for us. It's defined as turning off devices and screens to find some quiet time. Rest from the bombardment of every sense being totally overwhelmed. Whether it's hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, our culture tries to hit every one of those boxes. And I think we've all felt it. There's a lot to sift through. Some of it we do to ourselves. It's the time we spend on our phone. It's the unnecessary checking of social media or emails. And it seems like we're always looking to either listen, to read, to watch, or to scroll. These social media platforms have tuned us well. Even if we're not looking for it, it seems to be all around us, right? TVs are the very same problem. Go out to dinner and try to avoid watching the TVs. It's hard. 
Here's the test for you, though. If you need to make a shift away from all of this in your life, if you have a hard time thinking through important things like spiritually leading your wife, like what changes need to happen in your marriage, like how to parent effectively, like taking a hard look at financial decisions and getting real about them, then finding out God's way of doing them by reading God's word and praying about it is key. You need to assess, have I got the time? Do I have the capacity in spite of all of these things to actually spend time with God to, to try to change the things that are necessary? If not, go to a quiet part of the house, shut the door, get on your knees, get out the Bible, pray out loud if you need to, but sort out all the things that are rumbling in your head, all the things that have got your heart consumed. God says, bring all of your worries and cares before him. In 1 Peter 5, 7, God commands us actually to cast our anxieties on him. Why does he do that? Because he cares for you. Jesus got away by himself, not to squeeze a drop of burden-free rest for himself, but because he needed to go the distance for what God had laid out for him. In order to do that, he needed to shut out all of the noise. He had to turn it off long enough to seek and to hear his father's heart. And you and I need that too, to get away, to get to a quiet place, and to yoke up with our heavenly father. And as a closing thought, I want to point out, I don't feel like we do a great job of training our children to do this. What is one way that you can lead them by example this week to develop a habit, to develop a pattern of real sensory rest so they can go spend time with the Lord, teaching them how to get spiritual rest, how to soak up that still small voice. And this leads us to our final form of rest, and that is spiritual rest. I truly believe that the culture's definition of spiritual rest is very different from God's. People who don't know Christ have a craving. They've got this God-sized hole, if you will, and they're trying to fill it with advice like this. Do things that give you a sense of purpose, things that are meaningful. In Christ, we have our true purpose. And when we walk in that, we are living in rest. That's what this whole series is about. Not just a short reprieve from life's burdens, not just a quick two-day getaway and then back at it until the next time, but a life-changing transition, going through this five-step process of trading the things that master us to let Christ become our true master. If you go back to our key verse for this series from Matthew 11, Jesus is inviting you to come away, come to him. This is spiritual rest. When I was working on this broadcast, my calendar was really full with all kinds of good things, but I hadn't spent one-on-one time with God. So I went to my room, I did shut the door, and I got quiet enough in my heart to hear him speak. I found in that moment spiritual rest. This week, when I've been tempted to believe lies about myself and the future, I can spend time in God's word. I can tell my heart the truth and I will find spiritual rest. When we have those tense moments in our home and in our marriage and I choose to obey what God's word says about how I should treat my family, how I should talk to them, I am living in spiritual rest. When I feel like I don't have much left to give, yet people keep asking for more, I can ask God to give me energy and margin and the words to say, and then I trust him to provide. I walk moment by moment in spiritual rest. 
I want to end by saying it's not that all these different forms of rest are bad. It's the motivation behind them. It's us trying to capture rest for ourselves. That's what's going to put me further into the burnout mode than even where I started. It's the great lie. It's the great deception that this series is all about. We look forward to talking with you next time on Vows to Keep Radio. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.